This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And it is live. It's in color. It's on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet's YouTube channel, Sportsnet Now, iTunes, Spotify. Glad you're all aboard for the next two hours. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandale, David Sisboomba, Sammy McKee. No Leaf game tonight. No Leaf game. How about tomorrow? No. No day after? Yeah, day after. Okay. You okay? <laughs> Be all right. They're not even practicing. So with- two days in a row. They deserved it. Five-day road trip. So coast to coast. With the pause. Practice. <laughs> I'm going to start off with some basketball news. Oh, they're going to go golf. I've just got the itch so bad watching the golf today. But anyways, continue. Not, not, we're not going players right now. We'll save that for tomorrow. Okay. Just, and it's, yes, it is basketball. It is Toronto Raptors. I know we just finished. Will Lou just does a terrific job on the Raptors show. Not, not trying to cr- cut his grass here. <laughs> but last night I watched uh, Freddie oh. Van Fleet. Yeah, he uh, yeah. go off on an official that I have. I don't think I've ever heard. It was the most an athlete composed go, anger. I, I thought it was incredible. Yeah, and I only bring this up because it's a sports issue. Yeah, and here we are, not quite twenty four hours later, and there's just a bit of a, a, a swale in terms of. Actually, I think momentum for Freddie mm-hmm. than anything else, and I'm just wondering if if this is a sign of times now moving forward. And I'll put in the NHL officials. Like, don't tell me for one second that all our uh, officials in the National Hockey League didn't take notice of an athlete going after an official after a game. Do we have that, Derek? Can we play it just so we can grab the uh, we got, curveball? We got some beeps here. Uh, yeah, we're we're going Freddie on our we first Kippers Clipper. We got beeps. Okay, Fred good. Van Vliet. Okay, good. I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought you know um, Ben Taylor was f-ing terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple other you know out of the three, there's one or two that just the game up you know and it's it's, it's been Whoa. like that a couple couple games in a row um denver was tough obviously you come out tonight you're competing pretty hard the third quarter i get a bullshit tech changes the whole dynamic of the game changes the whole flow of the game and um you know most of the refs are trying hard i like a lot of the refs are trying hard they're pretty fair they communicate well and then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um just kind of the game up nobody's coming to see that shit. they come to see the players and um i think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was, and um, it's been disappointing this season. Um, you can look up most of my texts this year have been with Ben Taylor officiating. So at a certain point as a player, you feel it's personal, and um, it's never a good place to be. That's not why we lost tonight. We got outplayed, um, but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome. Have you heard that? Before? You, you heard yeah, it in great, uh, yeah. full length? Yeah. I'm, like, <clears throat> flabbergasted. So that – an a, an athlete would go after an official that hard. I watch. You know ton, you're paying. I, I watch a ton of Raptors, okay? And I would say on court, Fred Van Vliet is the least whiny of the bunch. Yeah. He's pretty stoked. When it comes to on court, you know, behavior towards the officials, the Raptors are horrible. Mm-hmm. 
they are, I mean, this is a chicken and the egg situation, right? Like, you can talk about what comes first. Is it the bad calls or is it the, the whining? But Nick Nurse is legitimately, it's unwatchable how hard he berates the officials. Did he take that for night. his coach? I don't know, but it's every night with Tim, him. Van Vliet's point, but that, that, he's got eight texts this year, five are from that one official. But that from Freddie is thought That has of. to be personal. It is. Yeah. There's no way it's not. And okay. I, I respect the hell out of Freddie saying that, but a lot of the Raptors just whine for the sake of it, and that drives me he, nuts. He just spent, what, $25,000, $50,000 to, to say that? Like that? 35 k He Did he get dinged already? Well, I don't think it's been announced he yet. He calculated. He's like, I'm going to spend thirty-five grand on calling that guy a dick in my post-game so, interview. Who was the ref that Sheldon was after? Skilleter? Remember him and Skilleter? Nah, he's did, always at it with well, I think it was Graham Wes McCauley. Skil- no. Wes McCauley, too. They had some good thing going on with Skilleter, too, maybe a year ago or so ago. Imagine he just came out and... Could you imagine Kippers Clippers if Sheldon Keefe just came out or you know, Austin Matthews just came out there and said that He'd about him? back official? in like lawn chairs and just <laughs> play it over and over and over again. Go, oh my God. <laughs> I, so it's a big statement. That's going to be a famous clip. Mm-hmm. That's going to go down in history as an all time clip. So just to kind of bring this into the bigger picture here. Did Freddie just open it up for all athletes now to to go down that path? What's Freddie make because forty million a year? Makes a lot. You, you know, I I don't like sitting here and critiquing calls. I would say we actually—that's the strength of our show. We don't. We don't. We don't. I can't no. ever and remember I coming for officials. Like, Sometimes and, I'll throw one yeah. here there. And, and well, you're still on yeah, uh, yeah. the interference call in Game Seven. Yeah, that, I won't forget on that one, Freddie. Yeah. But I'm just wondering now. Did did Freddie open it up for even NHL players now to go? Listen, if if I think I'm, if I think it's personal, if I think we're getting a, ripped off here, and to, to a lesser extent, maybe even Sheldon revisits the way he, you know, why am I backing off when 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 there's some officials who may be out to get me couple of thoughts on that. First off, four guys on the team, five, maybe six, can afford to do what he did. Most of the guys are making 750 to two. They're not going to spend that money knowingly. So it would have to be okay. one of the superstars. The other side of that is what I hope could happen is in the NBA, there is a post-game... I don't know, say a presser with the refs, but like they... Pool reporters. Pool get, yeah, reporters yeah. get some commentary. And, okay, big moment. You guys didn't make a call on that play. What happened? And they get some See, answers. I don't want that. You don't want the NHL refs to say, here's what we saw no. and here's why we called well, it that I, way? I just think in the big picture, you just set yourself up even for more scrutiny and make it a bigger story than it already is. And there's no way that you could... I mean, it, it's almost like talking to a, someone in grade two. It's like, why did you make that call? Because I wanted to. I mean, that's... Well, that's, that's how we're currently where, treated. Where, I'd where, like where to be treated going? like I'm in seventh grade where, where they explain to me why. Whatever, whatever you try to explain, if you think it's a crappy call, you're not talking your way out of it. You're not changing anybody's mind on a... I see on your a, point on a, there. On a post-game comment. And there are times where it, it NBA could, officials, it's like... NBA officials say LeBron should have, you know, a foul should have been called on yeah. LeBron in the final oh, well, minute. No, it would have like, been called oh, on LeBron. They, they wouldn't miss one on LeBron. <laughs> oh, they did. This oh, year yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a blatant one. Oh, yeah, against Celtics, and he acted like a 
petulant child as usual. Anyways, um, take your personal grievances uh, elsewhere. I, just listen. I I agree with Kipper though that the the ref press press conference is exclusively for pissed off fans who want like a chunk of meat and want something to be pissed off about. Good, throw the refs to them. I, <laughs> you know, they're the ones paying the bills. Throw them I, the ref. I just, it's like Kipper nailed it. Uh, West McCauley, uh, what'd you see on that? Uh, what'd you see on that Nothing. trip in the third period? My way. Uh, it's a really fast game out there. That one slipped by me. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Oh, guys, we feel so much better now. I, like I had a 50-50 chance of, of making the right call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Threw you my know. arm up, thought I saw something. And the other thing that stuck out with me, again, in the grand scheme of sports is like, you know that there's officials out there that uh, got it out for you. Got That's it out on for you. you, pal. But how am I going to put my money down to make a bet on that game if I know this stuff's going on? Yeah. Oh, I, and there are people who take that in consideration. Like that, this there are refs who affect the over under of games. I think a couple of points. Like this guy's games tend to be lower scoring because he calls less fouls per game on average. Than that official. So there are gamblers who pay attention to officials. So after Freddie's comments, would all, you know, whether or not it's someone laying a bet on their own or people that are supposed to watch this regulation, would they go back and look at the tape and find out where all the money was bet and did anything get affected with these calls? The NBA and- would never have a biased official, would they? Once upon a time, I think they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, right. there's only 17,000 documentaries. On. Like, if I see another Tim Donahue, I'm like, I think I'm good. This, I think I know what happened here. This guy's made more money off but documentaries than he did fixing the, games. The craziest part about that documentary was Scott Foster, who was like one of the refs that was the closest to him, officiated the Raptors game the other night and threw Scotty Barnes out at the end of the game. Love it. So, anyways. All right, that's enough. Okay. Take the tinfoil hat off, Sam. Leafs, Leafs, Leafs. Two uh, days off, that's too much for you after you, a road trip? You, I was going to say, do you guys want, uh, do you guys want some other non-Blue uh, Jay, uh, sorry, non-Leafs takes? Because Rob Manfred saved baseball. Oh, the pitch clock. Oh. I, I just saw this tweet from Jeff Passan. The time of games in the spring training is down a half an hour. Just hacked a half an hour half off the an run Half an hour. Runs per, runs per game. Oh, God, hit the pippers, I, I, I can't watch it that fast. <laughs> runs per game are up. Stolen, stolen base attempts are up. Uh, ground balls, you know, like batting average of balls and plays on ground ball up. Yeah, because no one strikeout rate down. Like less planning, more playing because you can't shift anymore. Love it, Manfred saved the game. All right, we can go on now. We need that. We need that pitch clock uh, on the officials' box when they look at video. <laughs> I think idea. from the second they see, like, so they're not on the hook for tech difficulties, but the second they get their hands on the video. You have 90 seconds to make your call. No, too much. 45 I, seconds to make your call. I haven't been, I don't know if I've, I definitely didn't invent this take, but it's one that I've heard and one that like I've thought of a lot. You should get a couple real-time looks at it. Yeah, yeah, that's my take. Is it your take? Two real-time looks. If you can't overturn the call, I feel like I've heard it. Maybe it was you that said it to me. Anyways, is that yours? Uh, I definitely said it, so I don't know. Excellent take by you. From somewhere else. I just feel like if you start breaking these these frame by frame, especially these offsides that's so minuscule, and you're reviewing them. You get a couple quick looks at it, yeah. and if you can tell like any seen different... you three times now and you can't yes. discern one way or the other, stick with the call you made in the moment. Agreed. Okay. All right. Good to talk, talk about, about the Leafs. Yeah, we can talk about the Leafs. Want to talk about your article? Lazy Leafs not I, practicing again? It's Thursday, so my Toronto Star piece came out today. Uh, 
If you want to take a look at it, it's on my uh, Twitter account, Real Kipper. Did a bit of a to-do list in the next 18 games where the focus might be mm-hmm. and what you want to accomplish. We still feel it's Toronto and Tampa Bay. So how do you, how do you prepare for that? Love that. Good, good idea. Before, why don't we stick with officials and just start at the very bottom of your column. And you mentioned the puck over glass video review. Um, with, yeah. And right now it is unreviewable. It is. Un, yeah. Puck over glass. I think it only is the ability for the officials to get together and make a call. It's not reviewable. So not that I want to see another stoppage of play and everybody sitting around, but I think that this one, and there has been a few calls where it's been suspect. Not everything's clear cut mm-hmm. when it's puck over the glass where a guy just shoots it over and you go, oh, okay, go to the box. Right. Sometimes there's sticks that come together. Sometimes there's a, a slight redirect off of a deflection off of some uh, an opposing player's uh, uh, stick that uh, doesn't come up. I think there's times when there there have been wrong calls on this. Yeah. Do so you want to see video review? Get that one right. I want, if it's close, for the league to come down Talk to the official, have the official take one look at it and correct it. Can I have my take on video review here? Uh, oh, Kipper does glass? love, he does love long games. <laughs> yeah. He wants the games to be even My longer. thoughts on puck over the glass is just not a penalty for me. Like if you, I, I, there's not many times in a game where a guy would do it on purpose before they made it a penalty. You have to actually physically have the puck and consciously make a play with it. Surely guys would rather make a play with it than fire it into the stands if the odd time it happens, I don't know. It just yeah. doesn't seem like worth a penalty to me. What Marner have three of them in the postseason last year? Not last year. Year was before the, was it? Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. You know, like the most and like none intentional, none just whoops. I don't know. See, I'm. I never liked it to begin with, but now that it's in, you don't take it out. How about uh, I was complaining on Twitter the other day? D zone hand pass. I don't understand. Why you should be allowed to make a glove pass? Why the offense can't? Why should the defense get to? It makes zero sense to me. If we want goals to be up and we're creating extra rules for the D, see, I look at puck over the glass and I'm like, why just in the zone? Why not in the neutral zone? Why not in the offensive zone? Let's put a roof on the ice, right? So it's like okay, six feet high roof. If, if you're telling people that you should be a pro and and be able to keep that little disc yeah. in play. Then do it all over the ice. Maybe that's to your point with a past uh, puck with the glove. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I with with Borny. Just scrub it. I the the one that pisses me off the most is when you're watching playoff hockey and it's overtime and guys are committing literal murders on the ice, like with trips and hooks and you know hits and whatever. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden a guy accidentally flips it over the glass. It's like that. Surely to God, that's two minutes. It makes it an outsized value penalty because yes. they stop calling everything else. So yes. The only thing you get penalized for is flipping it yes. out of play by mistake. Agree. So I would like to get rid of it as well. All right. So let's go through your list. There is, uh, I think, uh, general managers meeting in Florida, I think, this week. Doesn't sound like too much is on the agenda, though. But I wonder if everyone's just going to fist golf. fight video, Bill Armstrong for video pu- pulling Chikrin away. One of them. <laughs> All right. Let's go to my... Uh, Toronto Star article today on our to-do list for 18 games. Step one, the goaltending. Explain your thought on the goaltending. That I think Samsonov went a long way in New Jersey to solidify 
where he's headed or where the team's headed with him mm-hmm. towards that first round matchup here. But it's a big, it's a big game for a lot of different reasons for the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. Giving yeah. it to Matt Murray, I think, uh, is a big statement to say, despite your hiccups this season, we still believe in you, and we're putting you back in a position to do do something for us. So that's what does that mean in the next eighteen games? How many games do you do you think you need to put him in a position to be ready just in case Sandine falters between now and maybe game two or game four? Yesterday we mentioned Dubis and the idea that you know you kind of thought maybe Kerfoot is still around and still so used based on validating the Cadre trade and still having a piece around. Do you think there's any interest from Dubas in validating the Murray signing, which certainly you didn't need to make, and they took a lot of the salary, which many people didn't think they'd have to. Do you think he would like to be validated there? Uh, yes, but I think he's he's forced into this much more than he was forced into needing to validate Kerfoot. Kerfoot, you had ample opportunity to probably move in the last year. Mm-hmm. You made the decision to uh, keep him over uh, McCann. And that one to me is a decision of of real strength. I think Kyle in the last six weeks has has looked around the league and go, where am I going to find another goalie that is definitively an upgrade over Matt Murray if hopefully he's healthy? And he didn't come up with one. Wouldn't he, wouldn't he love, though, for it all to come true with the Sioux boys pulling it out in the end? Murray's in it the net. It wouldn't hurt him. Wouldn't hurt him. Be He'll, his dream. Be his dream. It would be for sure. Okay, point two. So, do you think he needs five games? Four games? Do you think Four he can get away with it? How many do you want Samsonov to, to truly feel like he's he's ready to go here? Well, you know what? interests me is the end of season schedule which sam alluded to yesterday and the weight of it the amount of games the leafs play in the last stretch of the season they got i want to say seven or eight games in the final 12 days so like what do you want samson off to play in the final 12 days of the season only a few times for me like play four times or twice a week on the way in probably good which leaves can you pull up the schedule do you think you think uh teams that you're playing against will have anything to do with it you want to be sharp against some i, I think 10 of the 19 no is my gut are, are, are uh 10 of the 19 are non-playoff teams so here's the leaf schedule this is a fat i know you can't see anything here's the okay so the last do you want their last games we got rangers lightning florida working your way backwards montreal boston is the last five games all right so do you want Rangers and Lightning? I think the last game of the season is April 13th. April 17th is likely playoffs. I think you probably go April 11th for your starter. So he plays Tampa Bay. Ooh, Tampa Bay is on the 11th. Do you want Sammy to go then, then have a week off before? If I, do you want to show your cards? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If I get to control who's starting that game, it's not the guy starting game one. Okay, so then... Samsonov would go April 13th against the Rangers yeah. or April 10th, the day before the Tampa game against Florida in the back-to-back. Yeah. That's the one. There you go. So then he plays a week later. He has a week off before playoffs. 
Is that too much time off? So this remind me, Kipper, that you said you just want Matt Murray to do five games before the end of the year? Yeah, I do. 18, 13 to I five? Do. Jeez, I don't know. I, I Too many? I know. Not enough. I can't see it being that little. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like five games. That is... 12 and 6, 11 and 7. I would say closer to 12 and 6 or 11 and 7 to me. Okay. All right. But still, like, I think five five seems way less than seven to me. That's a that's a clear deli- it's a clear delineate between starter and and yeah. and backup if you're doing it like that. So so if you if you're free uh, if you're trying to figure out uh, that that Tampa game, how do you figure Boston because it's not a back to back situation in Boston. That one, call a wall for that one. Do you no, you don't. I want him to see either of them. <laughs> What's the you got to give them one. You can't hide your goalies. Can't hide them, your, Sammy. Goalies are your goalies. I'm with JB. Don't be, one, don't be that guy, Sammy. <laughs> he's he's getting us set up with Sean Reynolds here to talk Jets. You watched that Jets game last I night? I did, yeah. Wasn't that great on TV? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, we'll get into it with uh, no, Sean was, Reynolds here. but Yeah, the Jets liked their game. I'm joking. The, the Jets did, they have, did seriously plus, like their game. 40-plus shots? Uh, Pounded him. Pounded him. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury was like vintage. Lights out. Oh, he was a road hockey goalie, just rolling around, having a great time. Jets look a little frustrated at times, but... Are they now in th- uh, real threat here of maybe losing a playoff spot? The only reason I say they're not in trouble is because it's the Flames chasing them, and the Flames are kind of a disaster. All right, let's bring in uh, Sean. Sean Reynolds, Sportsnet reporter in Winnipeg. Uh, Sean, thanks for joining us. We're just touching on the game last night uh, and uh, a disappointing one, but one that left Rick Bonus awfully uh, positive. Yeah, well, if you've seen the way that this team has played down the stretch, uh, they've been searching for positivity, and I think last night was no doubt uh, uh, you know, reason to be positive, at least when you compare what they've seen lately, like this is a team that has looked extremely uninspired down the stretch. It's had trouble finding itself. It's had trouble finding consistent effort. Uh, some of its stars are disappearing entirely on certain nights. Um, so the fact that they at least look like they deserved to win that game is reason for celebration at this stage if you're a coach because you're just looking for signs of life that you can build on. You're looking for a pulse to see if you can get the body going and standing up. And that's what Rick Bonus is looking for uh, right now. I, I mean, you take a look at a game like that, they probably win it. If not for Connor Hellebuck, you do not hear that statement very often. Usually it's the other way around, that they win games, that he goes out and wins for them entirely. But uh, it's a tough sled for this team right now. They're finding ways to lose down the stretch. Uh, but playing the game the right way is a reason for a moral victory at this stage because they need any kind of victory they can get. Yeah, Niederreiter, I thought, was their best player last night. But for people who don't know where the Jets are in the standings, they're in the second wild card spot right now. Um, you know, they're they're only a point behind uh, Colorado for third in their division, but the Flames are four points behind them. Like, it's, you know, not dire, but time to be nervous for sure. Hell, they're going to need Hellebuck. Last night was a stunning game. The The one wrister on the two-on-one was unexpected. I mean, is it too much workload for him? Is it just an unlucky time for him to go cold? What's going on with that guy? Yeah, I don't know because he has gone cold as of late. It's, you know, his last four or five games, 
he hasn't been doing that well. It's it's just it's just been a combination of things down the stretch where when when his performance has been there, the team around him, their performance hasn't been there. And then on the few nights where he seems to be off, uh, it ends up costing him. And, and last night was a good example of that. It, it's just, I don't, you know, Kipper, you, I'm sure you know what it's like to be in a room where it just seems like everything has gone wrong. At the beginning of the year, this team couldn't lose, right? This team, the interesting part about last night's game is it's a game where the Jets go out, they, they pile up 45 shots or whatever it is the opposition has 22 and somehow they don't win the game well that's usually the way it's been the other way like the Jets are very used to being the team that allows 45 shots only gets 20 shots on net and somehow finds a way to win that game they've won I I would wager seven eight maybe nine games this year in that manner back then everyone used to say well, hey, good teams find ways to win games. I always thought that was BS. I always thought it was, you know, your goaltender is bailing you out and you need to start taking this a little bit more seriously. Well, however it's worked out now, the team that, you know, used to be the good team that found ways to win games, now they seem to be the team that's finding ways to lose games. And the one thing no one had on their bingo card was that Connor Hellebuck would be a problem at some point for them. I don't want to make it sound too drastic i don't think it's a huge problem but they're not used to connor hell but costing them games and he most definitely cost them that game last night we're talking to sean reynolds who does a terrific job uh, covering the winnipeg jets for sportsnet uh, sean at the beginning of the year i i i did write off the winnipeg jets for no other reason than i thought they would definitely lead the league in off-ice distractions so many question marks about the future of this team, who the stars are. Blake Wheeler's captaincy was a huge story at the start, all of it. And lo and behold, they had this amazing start, as you just mentioned. But is there a chance that maybe some of these things could, in fact, if they haven't already, catch up to them and this thing kind of gets spinning too far out of control here? Well, I'll tell you, Kipper, where I think it caught up with them. I, I think that a couple months ago that Kevin Dayoff was expecting to be all in at the trade deadline. I think he, I, he was going to throw everything he had at this trade deadline. I think he was expecting to be one of the busiest general managers heading into the trade deadline. And then what happened is this team... You know, we've seen it. They've fallen apart down the stretch. The calendar flipped to 2023, and they've fallen off the map. Now, the thing that people need to know is the Jets have done this. Since that 2018 year, they've done this every year since then. 2019, they look like one of the best teams in the league. Calendar flipped uh, from 2018 to 2019. They fell apart down the stretch, lost in the first round to St. Louis. The next year, they lost in the play. And the year after that, if you remember, they were duking it out in the Canadian division for first place with with Toronto for a good chunk of that year. And then they ended up falling to the 14th seed. Last year was their best start in franchise history, and they managed to find a way to make the playoff. This was the deal for Kevin Sheveldayoff. He had one big question he needed to answer. Was it the coach that was the problem, or was it this core? And when they Shot out of the gates, I think he was thinking, okay, it was Paul Maurice's tenure. Paul Maurice lost this team. Rick Bonus is bringing them back. 
But as they've folded down the way here, they're starting to look like it's the same problem they have every single year. And what cost them, to your point about the distractions behind the scenes, is this team, I don't think, doesn't know whether or not it's going to be able to re-sign Connor Hellebuck or Mark Scheifele. I think we all expect that they're going to lose Pierre-Luc Dubois. All these players are leaving after next year, and I think that the general manager had to ask himself, do I want to invest and give away a bunch of our future in a core that very likely is going to be gone a year after this? I think he was willing to do that earlier on when they looked like a winner, but as they folded down the stretch, I think that those distractions were enough for the GM to say, we're only going to soft pedal this trade deadline, make a couple pickups, but we're not going all in. That's where it caught up with them. I feel like the the most discussed player when I follow Jets Twitter is Nick Ehlers in terms of a guy, guy that they think is great, that the coaches won't play and no one can make sense of. We did it with Nylander here forever. What's up with Nick Ehlers? Is he is super valuable, not valuable, not valuable at all? Who's right? I, I wish I had an answer for you. I can tell you this. Uh, during, when they played in the Canadian division um, and he was injured for parts of that year, I thought Nick Ehlers was the Winnipeg Jets' best player that year. Under Paul Maurice, it just always seemed like if there was a player that he was going to call out, if there was a player that he was going to you know, uh, curb their ice time, if there was a player that he would call out in the media, which was not his style, but he did it every once in a while with Nick Ehlers, it was Nick Ehlers. And I can tell you there were plenty of players at that time that needed to be, you know, that could have been prime candidates for being called out. For whatever reason, Nick Ehlers was the guy that he kind of went to. Uh, I wondered in the past if it was just a guy that he felt like, you know, that's a guy who I know will respond to that, whereas maybe some of the other guys on this team, if I did that, they wouldn't respond well to it. That's what I thought in the past, which I guess means that he was an easy target for that. I think it was similar with Nate Schmidt, who just got uh, sat for a game. I think one of the reasons he got sat was not that he was, you know, any worse than anybody else, but he was a guy they knew they could take out of the lineup and put back in and, He'd handle it well. The team would rally around him. But this season, Nick Ehlers' ice time has really suffered down the stretch. And when you ask Rick Bonus, who is so good at telling us the truth, like the blunt, honest truth, every time it's this answer that there's this domino effect that happened in the game. Well, there were these penalties, and then I had to put these guys out, and then the dominoes started falling, and Nick Ehlers' ice time got affected. Well, then this happened in this game, and this guy got injured, and the dominoes started falling. And just every time the dominoes start falling, it ends in Nick Ehlers losing ice time. And it doesn't make a lot of sense from the outside. This is a guy that on a team that is desperately looking for scoring at five on five, desperately looking for game breaking players. Nick Ehlers has that potential. Um, and he's not being given the opportunity to be that game-breaker. I I wish I had an answer for you. There's a reason everyone is talking about it, because people love great mysteries, and they love trying to solve them, and that right now in Winnipeg Jets' world is the big mystery that people can't seem to solve. Hey, Sean, outside of maybe pointing a finger at uh, Hellebach last night, where else are they kind of leaking oil a little bit? We know the season uh, Morrissey's had... On, on the blue line, is has that group slipped a little bit? I watched Logan Stanley sit on uh, Caprice Hop last <laughs> night. But other than that, the one thing that I did think that uh, Shovel Dayoff may have wanted to do 
at the trade deadline is maybe get a little bigger on the back end, but didn't happen. Yeah, we were thinking if there were holes for him to fill, he needed some depth up front, maybe even more than he went after. But he, he addressed those to a degree with Nemestikov and Niederreiter, who have both been great since they came here. We were all expecting him to pick up a defenseman. Uh, I mean, for, for you know, this is this is Kevin Sheveldayoff's playbook. He always comes out and then points out a whole, you know, not specifically, but he'll talk about a whole bunch of rumors that he found laughable and that that never happened. So his playbook is always to say, oh, people were talking about us being active there, and boy, oh boy, did they get it wrong. But he never ever points out the fact that probably a lot of what is being said is right. We had heard that he was in on uh, the pursuit of defensemen, uh, and it makes sense. We would have expected it. They could really use a higher-end defenseman, you know, coming in behind Josh Morrissey that kind of just shifts every guy in that lineup one spot down into more manageable minutes and more manageable situations. Uh, we were surprised it didn't happen. Um, but the overarching question of if there's if there's more at play here, you mentioned Josh Morrissey. Josh Morrissey's play this year is unimpeachable i mean the guy has been phenomenal from the start to the finish or you know to this point in the season there's been so many games kipper that he just literally goes out and just picks the jets up and dusts them off like they, he he's the guy who gets them going when they win their last game against the rangers uh, a little while back it, because they've been struggling for a long time right before they went into the break they needed to get going and they were losing to the lowly blues two nothing in the third period and he went out and had two goals and you know picked the team up and put it on his back he's been doing that time and time again the issue is just not a lot of people are following uh and the stars that you would be expecting to get the job done for the most part has their their power play has gone ice cold and i mean you talk about the collection of stars they put out there on that power play that just can't seem to get it done and really haven't looked dangerous for a while. That's a big issue. But the thing here that worries me most for Jets fans is that last year the Jets would come out, you know, when they were playing down the stretch and trying to make a push for the playoffs, and they could come out. And I, I, I remember a game, I think they had seven goals last season uh, in a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like they'd show how capable they were. And then they'd show up the next game and they would just be absent. And I've seen a lot of that from them down the stretch here. Now, you know, you were talking about Rick Bonus and that game last night. He's talking moral victories. He's saying if we play like that down the stretch, we'll be fine. I entirely agree with him. But the idea that this Winnipeg Jets team, from what we've seen of them over last year and this year, the idea of them being able to bring a consistent effort for the last 17 or so games of this season there's no expectation that that's a given. This team has shown time and time again it can come out and look like world beaters and then look like they forgot to show up the very next night. It's the biggest problem this organization has had for a long time now. Well, then I'll get you to just, you know, handicap that central division. Right now you got two teams struggling, obviously the Jets being one, Dallas struggling a bit too. Wild have won, I, I don't know, they're 9-0-2 in their last 11, and Colorado is yeah. on fire again. Um, yeah. You know, it, what do you think about the way this is all going to shake out by the time we get to playoffs? Well, you mentioned that, that Colorado is one point up on the Jets, but they have three games in hand. Uh, other than that, the crazy part about all this, like my setup for this game last night was on, on February 10th, the Jets were seven points up on the Minnesota wild. And after last night, 
Minnesota Wild are six points up on the Jets. That's a 13-point swing in 26 days. Wow. That's insane. Wow. Like, that, that, that's almost impossible for that to happen. So, so I take a look at this right now. I look at the standings. The ship has sailed on the Jets getting anything but a wild card here. They're oh. too far behind. Like, the numbers tell us they can't get back up into that spot. So they are basically now in a dogfight with Calgary. And until very recently, I'd said with great confidence, the Jets were making the playoffs because as, as much of a kind of crap show that the Winnipeg Jets are, that the Calgary Flames have been equally so, if not more so. Um, but they're showing a little bit of life here. The Jets are showing that there's blood in the water. If there's anything that can get a team like that inspired, that would be it. But the one thing... I had thought was like the numbers just lined up. It wasn't long ago. The Jets were seven points up on them. You don't close seven points with 17 games left unless you just entirely fall right down. and You can't get up. Well, that's happened with the Jets. Um, But the other part of this is they play one last game, these two teams. So now the Calgary Flames are four points back. There's 17 games left. And I, if I'm them, I'm just saying, all we got to do is close two or three points. And then it comes down to that game. We give ourselves a chance. What the Jets have shown the Calgary Flames, and I guess the Nashville Predators, if you want to put them in that camp as well, what they've shown them is that there is now a path for those teams to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it didn't look very long ago like there was not a path. The Winnipeg Jets have opened a door, and they're peeking out, and they're holding their shoulder against it, but they're not holding it very strongly uh, they're giving motivation to teams that, that probably didn't have a lot. Now that they do, that I think changes things. Again, there's blood in the water here. Uh, if those sharks want to wake up, uh, they, they can be circling very quickly. One more before I let you go, Sean, and that's we know that Winnipeg market has been challenged this year and a uh, few non-sellouts. Where is the vibe now with Winnipeg fans, optimistic or pessimistic about finishing this thing out to to gain a berth in the playoffs? Well, I think this says a lot, Kipper. Uh, We were expecting around the trade deadline when Kevin Shoveldale was not that active. We were expecting there to be a really angry fan base. I get the sense from the players they're not happy that there was inactivity. Um, I think this says a lot. I would say my interactions with fans and that, you know, that's, that's it's no scientific poll but a lot of the interactions i've had with fans is is people saying good i'm glad they didn't mortgage the future for this team and i think that says a lot about the lack of faith that there is in this team in this market uh i think people are thinking that even if the jets do make it down a stretch and get into the playoffs here that they won't last very long once they get in there i see that there's a huge chunk of this fan base that is expecting them to tear down in this off season. And you know, I think there's a lot of them that are looking forward to it. I think this core since 2018, they put this core together and said, show us what you can do. And it really hasn't, you know, come up to the expectations, the lofty expectations that were set with that 2018 monster season that they had. It sounds to me from the conversations I'm having, a lot of people are looking forward to what comes next and what a teardown and rebuild looks like. And that should tell you everything you need to know about how much faith there is in this market for this team. Sean, great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, my friend. Thanks, Sean. Sean Reynolds. Yeah, he, uh, he knows that team pretty well. That last point is a really good one. Like, people are kind of like, 
okay, this is disappointing. We don't think this core is it, but what does it look like after them? You know, like in a flat cap world, having cap space is a massive asset. I mean, they're only a couple of years away from being freed up of a lot of money. I I really think that uh, Timo Meyer was the guy that they needed. They just couldn't convince him or to, to really sign their long term. They needed that commitment. It's one thing to trade for a guy, but it's another one to find him walk out the door a year later. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that that guy would have been perfect to let uh, the exit go in the next two years on Blake Wheeler and maybe even Shifley. But it didn't happen, obviously. You know, I still think if you're the Jets, you should have made that trade if it were there for them. Like, you can qualify him at $10 million and, you know, whatever you have to do to make that work, I don't know. But let's say you qualify him at $10 million, prime age player. He probably gives you $10 million in value, a la, you know, Marner, Ranton, and those type of guys. Except against the Leafs the other night. Right. Not very good. <laughs> but, you know, he's probably worthwhile. And if he's not going to resign there, you then you're, yeah, you're going up to the deadline with a massive asset. Re- recoup your... Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. You know, I don't know if you get it all back, right. but, and that depends on how you good he is too. Try to convince him. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Sammy, we good? All right. We're going to hit the break and Don Waddell, general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes is going to join us. If you did a poll amongst like a lot of fans, would they know today that the Carolina Hurricanes are the second best team in the NHL? Don't know. No. No. <laughs> We'll ask Don that question after the break. Yeah, they do. So let's start with Don Waddell after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne, and we're glad you're aboard. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, as promised, the general manager of the second best team in the NHL with 92 points, Don Waddell. Don, do, do enough people know this? That you guys are the second best team? Well, we like to just slide under the radar here. Uh, we've been fortunate to be in the spot we're in and hopefully we can continue on finish out the season get ready for the postseason leaf fans want to thank you personally for humiliating tampa bay uh earlier in the week <laughs> yeah we, we caught i think we caught them at a good time not that uh we didn't play a very good game but uh you know those things happen we've seen it for, with lots of teams but uh no it was a pretty uh entertaining game to be at home in front of a full house <laughs> So, Don, things have, uh, you know, gone very well for you guys, as noted. Um, when you went into the deadline, God, it was turmoil here in Toronto. Six players got turned over. Um, how did you guys feel the deadline went for you? Did it go to plan? It did. You know, we went in with uh, a need. You know, we felt that uh, we didn't want to leave, lose anybody off our current roster. Uh, we like our roster, but... Uh, you know, our power play for as good as our record is, you know, I think at that point we were 23rd in the league and of the 16 playoff teams, we'd have been 16th entering the playoffs. So we wanted to address our, our power play and we felt we did that uh, at Ingotsburg. And then, you know, we wanted some more depth up front and we've always had time for uh, uh, Jesse and we made a decision to, we had some cap space obviously because of the Max Pacioretty situation 
and we felt that those two players bringing them in would uh, give us another little lift and not break up our team the way we were going. Was was there a thought of, uh, you know, that we, we heard the Timo Meyer rumors, but, you know, Max Pacioretty has still shown that he could score at a, at a great level and, you know, feel bad for him uh, with his situation of, uh, of hurting his uh, Achilles tendon again. Um, is there any thought, Don, of uh, maybe even bringing him back next year after a couple of setbacks? Yeah, no, we went in, you know, the summer and we were fortunate to add him and uh, add Max. And, you know, the the heartbreaking thing there, we won the game the night he got hurt. And it was the most somber locker room I've ever been in because the players watched how hard he worked to get back and for him to play five games and score three goals and then re-terrorist Achilles, it, it was just a big blow, not just the organization, but more personally for Max himself. So uh, to answer your question, yes, I, I think he's going to come back. Uh, whether you know we can work something out with them to bring him back, we'd like to have him here. He's been a great influence around our locker room because he's been in the locker room every single day uh, through his treatment and being with the guys. So, uh, you know, I think this type of injury that uh, – Everybody tells me I'm becoming an expert on Achilles tendons that <laughs> once you have that second surgery, it's 99.9 that that injury is not going to come back. So, you know, we've we got a ways to go here. He's got a long rehab in front of him. But uh, watching how he approached the first time around, uh, there's no reason to think that he won't come back a second time. Don, you guys are such an interesting built team in terms of forward depth. Uh, you know, you look at the fourth line right now, just pulling it up quickly online, looking at Stastny, Stepan, uh, Nason. Like, you guys are, it's not your typical construction. You guys use all your 12 forwards. Is that something your coach likes? Is that something you sought out? Or is it just sort of circumstance? How, how do you come to design a team that looks the way yours does? Well, we look at it a little differently that uh, it, it takes goals to win hockey games. And, you know, we want to, it doesn't matter what line we throw out there, uh, two things have to happen. They have to be responsible defensively, and all those players are. And we need them to contribute offensively. Um, mm. And they've, they've also done that, too. So, you know, everybody builds their teams and, and sets up their lineups, you know, differently. Uh, that's just our approach. It's, been working for us and we're going to continue with that thought process moving forward uh you mentioned uh Gostas Berra for your your power play How about uh Jesse uh Pugliarve and what he brings obviously you didn't trade for a, a top five overall pick uh, but you did trade for someone that you can be uh, that you believe that can be a serviceable player w- what did you see enough out of out of this player to to bring him on board yeah, we're very familiar with the player. Uh, obviously, the draft that he went, we got uh, two of the other guys, Shveshnikov and uh, uh, KK, that were drafted there. So we're very familiar with the player. Uh, obviously, he played with uh, Sebastian Ajo in the World Juniors. Uh, you know, I've talked to Kenny uh, Holland about him for almost a year, and Kenny did not want to trade him. And he got in a situation where he had to move some salary cap out to make the move he did on defense. And I remember he called me that morning and said, are you still interested? And I said, absolutely. So we think he, you know, we wanted to get a little bigger uh, on the right side. He, uh, We believe he brings speed and he, you know, he knows how to play. He's got to be given that opportunity to get back to where we all think he can be. And I think it's going to be a good fit for all of us. 
Don, I watched some clips online of watching Rod Brindamore um, welcome guys into the lineup and talking about the family there. Uh, Rod Brindamore is obviously integral to the culture of the Carolina Hurricanes. It just feels like a unique group. What is it about your team that feels unique? Um, Just in general, I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes seem unique to me. Is that a fair assessment from the outside? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, one of the things that Rod's never going to ask anybody to do that he hasn't either done or still does himself, you know, we're, uh, the way we play, you know, you know we're very, uh, we try to play fast and we feel like we're one of the better conditioned teams in the league, which is no surprise, leading by Rod. Um, so, you know, we always say, you know, in our locker room, you know, it's, uh, if you, if you, if you, you can't create a culture, it's got to uh, happen on its own. But if you put the elements in place for it, you know, the players want to play for each other. They feel like a family out there and, you know, they want, we play a man on man system, which is no surprise to anybody and everybody's got responsibilities. And so if everybody takes care of what they uh, need to do, they're watching out for each other, then we're going to have success with that kind of style. Hey Don, like we know the year that Boston's having uh, when you compare it to history and it's incredible, but you think only have four more losses than the Boston Bruins. I mean, it's not like uh, you guys are uh, distant, distant second here in terms of, uh, of where you are in the standings yet. Do you go into the trade deadline thinking that like if if we did match up against Boston, how would we match up, and where where I still needed to go in the trade deadline is is Boston not only for you but maybe every other team the the measuring uh, stick here in terms of how you want to ultimately match up. Yeah, you know they've had a tremendous season. They got a tremendous team there. You know I've always said though what happens around us we can't get caught up in the moment because you know. If we do that, uh, we're going to chase a lot of teams. You know, if, if we're fortunate to play Boston at some point, it's going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, um, you know, if that happens, that'll be great uh, for us, and uh, we'll, we'll try to beat them. But what what they do and what other teams do, you know, I don't really get caught up because, you know, you, you, what happens is, and, and I did it as a rookie, uh, younger GM. You know, you, you, you put your sights on a player and and they keep asking for a little bit more and a little bit more, and you finally give something that you don't really want to give, but you get caught up in the moment. And so that's why I think the strategy going into a trade deadline and free agency for that matter is, you know, make sure you have a good solid plan and, you know, you're not going to get every player you go after. It's just the way the business is. And, you know, there's a price you're going to pay for each uh, acquisition you're going to make. And as long as you stay there in that lane, I think the end result's always going to work out uh, in your favor. Donna, being a Toronto-based show, I've got to ask you about Freddie Anderson heading into the playoffs, how his season has been, and, and how you guys feel about his play and his presence there in Carolina. Yeah, you know, he's played uh, fairly well this year. Uh, he's played really well late here. Uh, had the shutout the other night against Tampa, even though um, it was probably one of his easier shutouts of his career. <laughs> Um, and not taking anything away because the third period you have to make some good saves. But, you know, it was a big blow for us last year when he got hurt prior to the playoffs. Uh, you know, we're going to manage our goalies uh, as best we can. And we called up Kochkoff. He's going to play tonight. Uh, the plan all along was to make sure we don't, you know, burn anybody out, put anybody in a situation where they would be subject to uh, an injury. You know, we think we've got three capable goalies, and we want to make sure that, 
we do the right thing, whether we win every game between now and the end of the regular season, is as important as being prepared as much as you can for the postseason. Hey, Don, uh, just to switch gears a little bit, too, there's some rumblings about expansion around the National Hockey League, and <laughs> the city of Atlanta comes up, and, yeah. you know, you've spent time there. Uh, is there... Is there things out of your experience there that you could say this worked, this didn't work? Is there any world you envision that Atlanta could come back to the National Hockey League like Winnipeg did? Yeah, I think there's lots of challenges. One is uh, the arena that uh, we played in as the Thrashers is no longer available. They've retrofitted it uh, to a basketball-only arena. So you'd have to build a new building, which in today's day is probably another 800 to a billion dollars. Um, so that would that would be the f- number one thing. Uh, secondly, obviously, it's going to be up to the commissioner whether we ever have expansion and where that might be. I know there's some other cities that have been talked about for multiple years, but you know, today's day, what, what I've said is hockey so much different today even than 15, 20 years ago when we started in Atlanta, actually 25 years ago. Uh, the popularity of our sport has continued to grow, and you know, you just look at attendance around the league. You look at the uh, excitement from the markets, all these uh, markets that, uh, you know, what Florida did last year, what Tampa based on the last uh, six, seven years. You know, the the sport continues to grow and the popularity is incredible. So there's a lot of cities, I think, that would work uh, in the right situation with the right uh, type of ownership and the, the structure they'd have in place. And, you know, there's no reason why Atlanta uh, couldn't be one of those. Hey, Don, uh, really appreciate your time. Wish you the best of luck uh, the rest of the season. It's going to be fun to watch. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Don Waddell, general manager of Carolina. I've, I haven't watched a ton of Carolina, but every time I do, you're like, yeah, that's a good team. Here's my hot take on Carolina. Everyone's good. Like every player, like I, there's no one on the ice where you're like, oh, here comes, you know, the couple of bums that round out the lineup because they ran out of money. Like I mentioned, their fourth line is Paul Stastny, Derek Steppen, and Stefan Nason. Third line, guys like Martin, Hook, Stahl, and Fast. Like they're good. Listen to this decor right now. Slavin, Jacob Slavin and Brent Burns, Brady Shea and Brett Pre- uh, Pesci, Calvin DeHaan and Shane Gostisbehere. Like that's a good decor. Okay. That's five deep and Gostisbehere. Don't look, don't cheat. <laughs> scores. How many points does Brent Burns have this season? Oh, I love that you're asking this question because I have no clue. 35. 50. Really? Yes. Does he really? Yes. I, I think he's 38, 37. Wow. 50 points on D. What a and move listen, that's been. I get that, you know, there's no weather factors to attract players in Carolina like there is, say, Winnipeg or Edmonton. But the guy left California. Oh, I see. Yeah. To go to the Carolina Hurricanes. Not exactly on everyone's first wish list i don't know i i think do you, you well personally i am talking like, golf, i feel like golf fits, yeah uh, like i i can see why no, people no. don't i bet you it's gorgeous this time of year there right okay like i'm not talking yeah, about yeah. i'm not talking about mountains and i'm not talking about your uh, an hour your away from the beach i'm talking carolina hurricanes gotcha it is not a prestige organization when you look no, at the rangers or the, nothing you know. it's just you know and you got an owner that likes to 
metal bargain shop and get everybody as cheap as possible. Yeah, success there. Yet the guy said, "I'm coming." Yeah, yeah. You want me? I'm coming. I, I'm greenlighting you. Yeah, trading for my rights. Yeah. Well, you know, two thoughts on that. Again, I find Carolina very appealing because, you know, Sam mentioned there's golf. Seems like a good climate. You know, you're kind of out of the radar or under the radar a bit at times. Seems appealing to me. But Brent Burns is like, he's a bit of a wild card himself, isn't he? I've always loved him. Yeah, in a positive way, like Carolina. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I I called right off the bat that Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, no good. One alpha dog on the blue line, yeah. not two. Five. And the chemistry never, that sealed his fate, Brent Burns. That contract to Carlson feel, uh, sealed his fate. All right, we're going to switch gears here. Uh, usually we're probably about five or ten minutes away from a break, but we're not because we got Keith Jones on the line right now. Keith is a busy guy. We figured we'll sneak him in now because he's... I don't know. Got a really important meeting or something. I don't know. He's got a real job, Jonesy. What are you? What are you rushing us for? I got to get on the team bus, and I don't want to be talking while the whole team. <laughs> is so what do you think of the coach, Jonesy? Hey, what's Torts, yeah. Torts going to do to you, Jonesy? Exactly. You, you know that routine, Kip. It hasn't oh, been that long goodness. since we both played. Believe me, we've all been there, guys. We we have, uh, but you know. You, You've been retired for a long time now. The days of being scared on a team bus should be over. <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably right about that. All uh, right, so you can uh, say a lot more when they're not around. How is uh, the Philadelphia Flyers? How is Torts? And uh, you know, I loved his post game comments on the spear from D'Angelo, where he's like, he really wants to say he loved it, but he. He, Wish I'd speared he, him he, twice. He can't, he, he can't. So, I mean, is that as exciting as it got this season, that the spirit of Corey Perry? Yeah, it's. there's no doubt that the latter part of the season has been rough. Um, I, I really thought they maintained and stayed in the fight for a little bit longer than I think their talent suggested that they would. So the Tortorella effect was in, was certainly part of the reason for that. But they've really hit the wall. They've had some really tough games recently and they're going to be in for a tough one tonight against Carolina. So I think that I would say overall, it's, it's been a move in the right direction. They're establishing the foundation, but they got a lot of work to do. Well, it's an interesting uh, division that they're in there. Obviously a lot of good teams. New Jersey has taken a step. How, you know, how serious is it should we take New Jersey as a Stanley Cup threat? Because they've only recently emerged and they're, you know, they have don't have a lot of big game experience, I wouldn't say. But boy, that's a pretty good hockey team in the division, isn't it? Yeah, you, you know, you, Borny, you start to look and see where are the holes, right? Where's the question marks? I guess in goal, but it's been pretty good all season long. Yeah. On the back end, they've got guys that have really performed while Marino was a great pickup for them. He has just, you know, quietly gone about doing what he's, been doing since he entered the National Hockey League, uh, overcoming obstacles and becoming a really solid defenseman. And up front, they've got such a good mix. The Palat addition and having him in good health right now is something that I really look forward to watching down the stretch. Uh, Numerous times, Tampa relied on him to come up with a big game at the right time. And he's a big reason why they won the two cups that they won and, and also returned to the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, he, he is a playoff performer. 
and he's going to help insulate some of the younger players that are getting the you know their first taste of some real competitive hockey. We're joined by Keith Jones, former NHLer and hockey analyst for TNT. So if we're on Palat in New Jersey, do we assume maybe the the hiccup that we've seen out of Tampa Bay could be the fact that they maybe miss Palat a little bit here? What do you make of Tampa Bay? What do you make of Vasilevsky uh, going through what he's going through, what, 15, 16 games out? Yeah, I, I don't worry about the goaltender. I do think they have been really sloppy in areas that they normally aren't. I don't know if they're just taking a breath to try to gather themselves before they try to make their fourth straight run to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, that could play into it a little bit, but they are a different team in some regards. You can't forget about McDonough either and the importance that he was on the back end. They've given up so many odd man rushes over the last you know, three weeks. There's been breakaways. There's been two-on-ones. There's been three-on-twos. There's been a lot of frustrating, head-shaking moments uh, defensively in the Lightning's decision-making. So there, there's some holes on that team. I think you know, eventually we expected that to start to show its face. Uh, it has, and Coop's got a challenge on his hands. He's the right coach because he's the best coach, and he's proven that over the last three seasons. Uh, took a, you know, a calculated risk in benching all three of his star players. Um, Kucherov responded well in the second game after that benching. Uh, that was against the Flyers, so it's tough to measure just how good he was, but he did pick up a couple of goals in that game. There's a, it's a different feel to that team, and some players are going to really have to elevate their play if they're going to make another run. So just kind of keeping it to, to, to the Eastern Conference because there's so many great teams, and obviously you would have a fr- up-close view of some of these guys. The Rangers made some big trades too, the trade deadline, bringing in Tarasenko, bringing in Patrick Kane. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, since then they have struggled, you know, just looking at their wins and losses. It hasn't been perfect. Is it a too many cooks in the kitchen? Who who goes on the power play? What's up with the Rangers and their new additions, Jonesy? Yeah, that that's 100% what it is. And it's going to be up to those players to sort it out, and they better do it quickly. The other part of it, too, is, you know, on the back end, missing Lindgren and Keandre Miller for a few games changes the entire complexion of that team. The the, the the best kept secret about the Rangers is their back end is outstanding and they all have a role to play and they're all relied upon to make plays and they're led by Adam Fox. So the forwards are going to have to sort it out, figure out the chemistry, figure out their roles and understand that they might not get the same opportunities they had in the cities that they were in prior, but the blue line is going to be the key and the goaltending is going to be the key for the Rangers. So I I don't uh, look at them and go, Oh my God, Chris Drury's ruined the team. I, I think it's I think it's much more complicated than that. I think they're a very good team. I do think they will figure it out, and I think they're going to be a really difficult out when the playoffs roll around. Are you as confident with Shesterkin as you are Vasilevsky? Yeah, I am. Um, I, I actually think the Rangers' blue line is better than Tampa's, so I, I think he's going to have. Uh, a better opportunity of seeing less complicated uh, shots coming at him. Uh, I think Shesterkin's going to gain an advantage from that. I think he's a very good puck handler as well. Uh, He can alleviate some issues on the forecheck, but I do think the Rangers' defense is uh, overall better than what Tampa has, and I I wouldn't have said that last year. Can can I just follow up the goaltenders? And please jump in on this as well. Mm -hmm. Jonesy, I mean, 
it just seems like I know we've had a couple of conversations on goalies in general and you know in our era you wouldn't be hard pressed to find legitimate 12 14 starting goalies a lot less now Shesterkin's numbers are down this year Vasilevsky looks like he's come down to earth even Hellebuck now is maybe a bit of a hiccup is there more pressure on goalies today to 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 carry the mail than even and back in our era for some reason. I'm just wondering what, why, why are we seeing yeah. this with goalies? Yeah, the answer is yes, Skip. And the, the big reason is we've made so many adjustments to add to the offense of uh, the games, uh, including, you know, the face-off to start the power play in the offensive zone. Uh, we're doing things that we've had rule changes that have been put in place to create more scoring and the goalies obviously are not going to benefit from that. I, I do think that's the genesis of it. I think there's a lot more highly skilled offensive players that are able to get to the middle of the ice because they're not going to get their head knocked off. Uh, very rarely do we see that. So a player will make that inside move and get himself to a better shooting spot on the ice. Uh, I think those are the challenges that the goaltenders face. I think they face a lot more A-quality opportunities than they did in the past. And uh, I, I do think that's why their jobs are much more difficult. And, you know, for the guys that have been very good for a long time, and uh, Hellebuck and Vasilevsky stand out in that regard, that, that's, there's going to be some moments where their game dips a little bit, and some of it might be fatigue. Well, one of the teams who does have a starter is the Islanders. Islanders have Sorokin. I don't know how many shutouts he's got this year, but he's been a rock for them. I don't know that the Penguins have got the same goaltending. Two teams kind of fighting for that wild card spot. Do you like those two teams to hang on there, Jonesy? Florida, three points behind Pittsburgh. Ottawa's on the heels. Buffalo's making noise. Cap's still around. Do you think it is the Islanders and Penguins at the end of the day? I do. I wouldn't, you know... I wouldn't rule out the Islanders because of their goaltending and a healthy Adam Pellick. I think he's kind of the Jacob Slavin of the Islanders. I think he's a very, yeah. very good defenseman. I think they missed him for a, an extended period of time. Uh, I think it was a concussion, if I'm not mistaken. So hopefully he's 100% back in there and can continue to play the way he has over the last three seasons. Uh, Bo Horvat being there helps them. They've got a pretty reliable defensive team, not necessarily exciting to watch. So I, I would be surprised if if the Islanders don't make the playoffs. The goaltender in Pittsburgh worries me a lot. The back end worries me. Um, I think if any of the teams that are chasing are going to catch one of the teams, it will be the Pittsburgh Penguins. But you can't count out a team that's got Crosby and Malkin and still has some capable top six forwards. But Depth has been an issue there all season long, and they did, really didn't do a whole lot to adjust uh, to that. So I, I'm concerned about the Penguins. The other thing, too, when we're talking about Buffalo and Ottawa and Florida, if you want to throw Washington into that, is like even though it looks good in the standings, Jonesy, you, you, every every team's got to lose except you to make ground. It's just it is that difficult. Yeah. It is, and have you ever seen a more of a divide from good teams to bad teams this year? So you got to like pick through the schedule and say, okay, what team's trying to get Connor Bedard? Or when do we play them? And when's our opponent, the guys that are chasing us, playing them? I mean, there's a lot of teams that it benefits not to win right now. So it's not ideal for teams that are trying to chase. 
Now, I haven't picked through the schedule of every team that's sitting in a playoff position, but you can be sure they're going to have some games that there's an automatic two points sitting there, or it's a major disappointment if they don't come out with a win in those games. So I do think that really plays into it. I think some teams really weakened themselves after or just prior to the trade deadline. And I think the teams that are in playoff position are going to benefit benefit from that. Well, one of those being the Leafs. You haven't asked you about them yet. They went they went heavy. They you know, went and got Achari and Lafferty and McCabe and Luke Shen and you know not the guys you would think of as Kyle Dubas types. Is this enough? Is this the right direction for the Maple Leafs? It is. It's the right direction without question. And. Okay. You look around the teams that felt like they, you know, have legitimate chances to make a run this year. They all added grit. If it was lacking, they added character players. They added guys that are willing to, you know, take a punch in the face or deliver a big hit uh, that play with discipline as well. Um, I I think it was a very good uh, job by Kyle Dubas to get his team in place and take away every excuse that's been lying there for the last 10 years. They have no no excuses now. The star players have no excuses. They're well protected. And this is the type of team that you need to put together when the playoffs roll around. Tampa learned their lessons and continue to add those type of players when the playoffs roll around. That's the big reason why Tampa got over the hump after that devastating loss to Columbus in round number one going back a few seasons ago. And uh, Toronto has finally taken that to heart and decided that they're not going to get pushed around. They're going to find a way to win. Jonesy, no question that they, uh, the Leaf management targeted Ryan O'Reilly for um, many different reasons. The biggest one is he's, he's won. He's done it before. Uh, he, he knows the recipe here. Do, do you think, and, and you've been a player that's had some great leadership in, in dressing rooms, is, unfortunately for Ryan and the Leafs, was there an opportunity in the next four weeks to gain some traction and, and some moxie to go into the playoffs, knowing where his complete role is on and off the ice, or can that be gained in, in the last week that he comes back and, and, and starts game one? Because of his stature and what he's accomplished in his career, I, I think it can be regained as soon as he puts his skates back on and, and is going to be in the lineup. I mean, it's not, it doesn't matter if he's not playing, obviously, but when he returns and puts that Maple Leaf uniform on, steps on the ice prior to the playoffs and for game one of the playoffs, uh, that's when the Ryan O'Reilly benefit will arrive. And it's not all about how quickly he gets up and down the ice anymore. It's knowing where to be, when to win the key face-off, how to win the key face-off, and how to play under extreme pressure. He's done that throughout his career, and uh, I look forward to watching him you know, put that uniform on and go out there and lead by example for the players that have been there and tried to get over the hump and have been unable to do so, uh, but are looking to try to be able to do it this year. How about grabbing one of his teammates by the collar and saying, we need more out of you? Not that anyone ever grabbed your collar, Jonesy. Oh, that I'm sure that's happened to me. Yep, no doubt. But I, I will tell you, I wasn't important enough to get my collar grabbed. For, <laughs> for a player like Ryan O'Reilly, if he grabs somebody, it's uh, I would say, you know, grab a guy that's uh, looking for 
that extra boost to get over the top. And players like O'Reilly know how to do that. They know the locker room, even if they haven't been there for long. They, they're very astute. And uh, I think part of the, their brilliance is their ability to you know, bring other players around them and get their game going in the right direction. It's not always about yelling and screaming. Sometimes it's just making somebody feel comfortable. And I think O'Reilly's done that throughout his career. Did I just hear Torts say, Jonesy, get on the bus right now? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Set him free, Kipper. Set him free. All right, pal. Thanks for doing this. Always good to catch up, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jonesy. That is Keith Jones now racing to the bus. It's an awful feeling. Hey, it is an awful feeling being half a second early for oh, a bus I, and I not told 10 you minutes my, early. My, uh, well, then get the out of here, then. I am. I told you my <laughs> missed bus story, didn't I? You missed a the bus? The Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, I was the earliest player on earth. 3 p.m. bus. Yeah. We got an exhibition game in Hamilton. I'm there 259. Mm. The bus is gone. Yeah. It me was, and uh, me and another player, John Craighead, I think. Yeah. And now, like, what do we do? Go up to the office. Feeling shame. Cliff Fletcher's there. Says, hey, Carlton's going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I told you my Carlton yeah, yeah, yeah. story. <laughs> Carlton the bear drove me to Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe you could see through they, the costume Carlton either. probably wasn't even going, and they were like, this will just shame the boys a little bit more if oh, we send did them I feel my, the pit in my stomach. Yeah. The moment I didn't see the bus yeah. was I'm done. In college, we used to, you played Friday, Saturday nights, and then you'd have to leave. We lived, we played in Alaska, so we'd fly out Sunday morning. So we'd always be leaving the hotel at like 5 a.m., you know, early. And you go out on Saturday nights. So the move was to be packed up and to pass out on the bus that would be at the hotel to make sure you're not that guy late for a bus that's going to an airport. Just a stinky bus full of and- half drunk boys. The other horrible bus story I have is I'm in the American Hockey League with Hershey. We're going on like a 17-day road trip. They hand us our meal money. I'm looking at like, I don't know, maybe close to a grand. Yeah. I go sit in my seat. I put the little brown envelope on the the sill where the vent is. Down the vent. I mean, I don't even, I, I would tear the bus apart. Oh, no. I'm thinking, no problem at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sure tell the bus driver, yeah. uh, where, where are your tools? I got to take a panel off. He starts to break out laughing. He's like, yeah, let me just take apart my bus, pal. Yeah, just sit down and, <laughs> hey, pass the hat around, see if you can get some loose change for the by next the way, 17 days. he probably days. did have a way to get in there easy. Oh, <laughs> guarantee. Yeah, he found that money. So I think by the end of the 17 days, he went shopping. <laughs> he had my meal money. Just wearing a Gucci Bastard. belt driving the bus? <laughs> I mean, listen. There's few things in life that are as easy and as respectful as being on time. I could not agree more. It is a massive priority I, to me. I am and it's a great statement about how much you value the other person's if time. You're not five minutes early or five minutes late. I am the type of person that will rush around my house to leave to be 15 minutes early. <laughs> I'm exactly. like, I, like, I'm like, oh my yeah. God, I go to Allie's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you don't have to be there. And like, she'll be late. It's just... It's a rift. It's like I can't be late for stuff. Yeah. It's a border. It's it's bad. 
it's bad. I should be able to be five minutes early for something and not feel like I'm 25 minutes late when I'm five minutes early. It's bad. I believe they call that anxiety. Maybe. (laughs) I cannot get out of a parking lot and go to the first tee and hit. I'm horrible. You can't just go play? I can't just feel comfortable enough. Like Even if I don't hit any balls, but I just have 10 minutes, 15 minutes just to... Oh, yeah. Mill about. Get off oh, yeah. the highway. Just make sure you have four tees, a ball mark, a ball mark, a pair, a glove. Yeah. You got like, the right balls. Go there, have a coffee, hit a putt or two, and then go out. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. Trunk slam and sprint into the first tee. Or you're playing with a guy in a foursome who's not there, and the starter's <laughs> looking at you going, okay, oh, let's go. Where's your buddy? buddy. We're like, come on. We got yeah. a schedule here. Listen. It's a sickening feeling, too. Shout, shout out to Jeff and Madison, two of my buddies I play golf with. They're painfully late for tea times all the time okay. and i'm there 25 minutes early grinding Anxious the starter be like okay these guys do you guys have your foursome you can go ahead it drives me nuts let me ask you kipper do you have the hockey dream uh anxiety dream about forgetting a glove or you can't tie your skate to Bloody, get on the ice or you all the time my re- still really my, my everyone weekly, has the hockey no, no. dream my my recurring dream i'm 56 and i'm waking up the other day and i cannot tie my skate yeah, yeah. Oh, I had they're the exact just, same dream. They're forever. And I know the game started. Yeah. And you're like, one sec, coach. I'm just going to do this quick. And I lace breaks or you just can't find your glove. or What does that mean? I don't know if everyone has it. It can't be that abnormal. I, but I have one about producing, too, where I show up and I have nothing. But maybe that's not a dream. Um, <laughs> no, I got dream doctors out there, please. Uh, yeah, break us down. We got a contest, boys. Oh, yeah. A little rivalry train here. Ooh. So, Molson Canadian wants to give you and a friend the ultimate hockey fan experience through their Molson Canadian rivalry train. This includes a round-trip train from Toronto to Ottawa to see your Leafs take on the Ottawa Senators on April 1st. Uh, With food and beverage all included at the game as well as an overnight hotel accommodation. To enter, all you have to do is tune into our show, Real Kipper and Born, this week and listen for the code word, then text it in to 59590. Today's code word is actually two words. Text rivalry train. That's rivalry train to 59590 right now for your chance to win. We have one last code word tomorrow, so be sure to tune in. And you must be at least 19 years of age in Ontario to enter. So that read is so perfectly executed. It's unbelievable. I was just thinking that. We should have it like recorded as a drop, and then he can just, when the new word comes in, take it from there tomorrow. Do you remember last yeah, year when, he, when he started reading yeah. it? It sounded like this. It's come so far. Yeah, that was nice. I really appreciate that, guys. And he's wearing a little Buddha hat, too. He looks good, too, today. I, yeah, you know, when you come in with nothing, you just wear a little Buddha hat to make sure that it keeps Kipper happy. <laughs> Are we going to break? Yeah, let's hit a break. We got nothing to talk about. We're going to break. Let's break. Don't go away. Just hang out. And we're back after these words. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Question that we uh, we didn't ask uh, Don Waddell when we had him was uh, his hotshot goalie prospect there, uh, Kochekov. Mm-hmm. Kochekov scored his goal in the American Hockey League, correct? Yeah. And According then, to Justin Bourne, I didn't see it, but yes. 
Then he went like crazy. He went berserk. Berserk. Did he go, did he go full Tuca? <laughs> yeah, he went mental. And then the other team said, uh, yeah, not going to celebrate in our eye like that. And their captain jumped him. And skirmish galore. He gets ejected. Played oh. the same team the next game. Got ejected again. In the warm-ups. He's, he's mitts off. Kuchekov's looking to fight the other team. Gets kicked out of the, the next game, too. See that, I love this guy. That, that's way better than pitching a shutout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can keep your shutout. I'm going to score no and fight twice. No one's talking about the shutout <laughs> 10 <laughs> years from now. But everybody's talking back-to-back. Back. Hey, how about this Kachekov? He's mental. Yeah, I love him. So, I, I, just reading some of the YouTube comments while you guys were uh, on your break. And uh, somebody said that Sammy has nightmares of calls dropping. As, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, three great lines today. You know, I thought Quality. I thought Don Waddell's line today was as strong as it gets. Crystal clear. As strong as it gets. And then Jonesy again, two really good lines for me today. It's the type of thing you only get, that only gets brought up when it goes wrong. So shout out for thank just you. a great week yes, of lines. Yes, thank you. All right, we got a day to go tomorrow. But anyways. <laughs> we cursed it. Anyways. So want to talk some more Leafs? Yeah, very much. Uh, the one thing that I did focus in, in my article today in the Toronto Star was Morgan Riley and just the need for him in the next 18 games to have some sort of stretch where he's he's back. Now, what what exactly is back for Morgan Riley? Important anymore? to establish that. What is where where are you going to be comfortable and ultimately what would you say? Mm-hmm. You do. Thank here. you. They're great drop in. Is he offensive? I think he is. Without a doubt, when he's at his best, he looks like a 60 point man. He's got two uh, two goals and 30 assists for 32 points, which in is how many games? In 50 games. 49 actually. He's sixth on the Leafs in points, by the way. That's how much it falls off after the top five. It's pretty, I believe they would call that a precipitous drop. But we don't after see, the top five. Uh, we don't see a constant threat out there offensively. No. No. Is that what he's don't. looking for when he plays to just be involved in finishing plays? Is that. Is that his focus, you think, in the last little while? I see, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what do you want him to be? I feel like there needs to be a clear establishment of that from the team. Like, do you want him to be up in the play? Do you want him to be a rock on the back I, I, end? I want him to I want him to influence his shifts. In a positive way. Yeah. Pretty I, simple. Just make the right decision every time. Just <laughs> when you think about number one defenseman, number two whether they're playing 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Some of them can play half a game. And there's just the influence that they have for half a game. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like he's influencing his shifts. I challenged uh, the other day just chatting with David Amber. I said, you know, the Lightning's D has some question marks. And his point was, well, Hedman plays half the the game and Sergachev plays half the game for them. And, you know, it's a fair point just in that, like, the Leafs don't have that guy where you're like, okay, he's going to eat up 27 huge minutes for us tonight. Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, and he's Victor gonna Hedman. And he's going to have puck an awful lot compared to other players. Yeah. And chances are it's out of our zone rather quickly. And Morgan's 
For me, Morgan's strengths always been his ability to skate. Oh, for get sure. Get the puck, wheel it, and go. Mm-hmm. I, he's the only Leafs uh, defenseman that's a minus on the year. I don't know if we care about that at all. Depends. What's the number? Minus one. He's minus five. Okay. But, you know, you look at most guys, you know, Brody's plus six. Most of their D are pretty steadily. And where are they? Giordano's the best on the team, plus 25. Really? Yeah, best on the team. So, to me, Lilligren's second best, plus 24. Plus minus, to me, only matters at the high end. At the big swings. And he's the lowest end. Yeah. So. Also, Zach Aston Reese is down there. I liked liked the game on, uh, what was it? What was that? uh, Tuesday night against the Devils? Because... I didn't really think or notice him a whole lot. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where he needs to not strive to be, but just like have more games where we're not talking. If it comes at a cost of him having the big offensive moments, have it be that it comes at a cost where he's a little quieter defensively. See, I don't know. I, I couldn't risks. help but read Kip's article and one of the head, you know, the headlines is or subheads is, you know, the play of Matthews and Riley, and it's like, you're going to beat Tampa Bay if you don't get good, well, not just okay play, but and, and, good to great yeah, play I'm, out I'm, of Matthews and that's, Riley? That's exactly where I was going to go. Is is there a world where you both envision that if Morgan Riley is what he is today in that first round, it he is not getting any better, he's not getting any worse, he is just what he is today. Is is there a world you envision that the Leafs can still get by Mid. Tampa Bay? Yeah, I do. I do. I think they've. I think they've. See, I. I don't. They've yeah. added enough here to the back end that they can kind of cover up some of his mistakes. I think that's probably a big reason why they addressed it so much. Mm-hmm. I like. I love what I've seen from McCabe. I, I. You know, you talk about Gustafson and what he is, but he can step in and do that power play. You talk about Shen playing so, a grittier role, more defensive role. That blue line can get it done by committee. There's no one out there that needs to look like a bona fide number one defenseman. They played literally their best defensive hockey the entire year, the stretch that Morgan Riley wasn't playing. That reality remains reality. So, and when, what part of the year? Uh, Late November to, er, to December? December. Listen, I understand what you're saying here, Kip. I'm just saying, I'm answering your question. I do think there's a world they can beat But Tampa. that's a different world than the one they're going to enter in April, Sammy. Yeah, I know. But I'm answering your question. I do believe in the group that they've put together if Morgan Riley's not at his best for them to win. I do. I do think they can beat Tampa. Boston? Eh. Rangers? Another round? Eh. But Tampa? Yes, I do believe that they can do it. Okay. You don't. You don't. I don't, no. Okay. Yeah. I think he's got a... He's got to look the part. Who do you want him to play with to be at his best? There, I'm... I'm Does anyone I, know I, I TJ's don't believe, full name, what I, it stands for? I, I don't believe that um, uh, Timothy Jones, uh, <laughs> Terrence... <laughs> Tommy uh, John. <laughs> Tommy John surgery. Tommy Brody. John. Tommy yeah. John? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, Thomas I, James, according to Brandon. I, I, I'm not the focused. I, I think he, he can play well with... Lilligren, he can play well again with Brody. I'm not focused on that. I'm just focused okay. on him feeling good and having a major influence on, on the game when he's out there. Yeah, I I just want to see him, I think, in these next 18 games then to be the guy you're talking about. He needs to be confident. He needs to be skating the puck. Like Sammy talked about him not showing up in the negative aspects, but... 
Yeah, they may want to let him roam free a little bit and see if he can't find a little something because we know it's in there. But if he's best with TJ Brody, then play him with TJ Brody and let the rest figure it out. Like yeah. you have, like it's if you so really want to, that McCabe can play both sides. Yes, and Brody can too. Listen, like I really see a lot of Brody in McCabe. Like I, they're very in terms of just quiet, pretty smart guys that aren't going to kill you. I really do feel like Kipper. You got this look on your face when I talk about McCabe. No, I'm 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 all on I'm all on board with McCabe. Okay, I just don't don't ask him to do bigger things than what he's capable of doing. That's all. Like if he can play, I think he can play. You know, over 20 minutes a night for you in a playoff. I'm series. okay with that as a as a yes top four, mm-hmm. but not an influential top two. I now you know okay, so let's say have it's Riley, Riley. Have they played Riley and McCabe yet together? Have no, they tried that, and that's what I'm dying to see. You know, there's so many pairs to try that they need to figure it out. And to your point, it's like you got 18 games left. You want to have it figured out fairly soon. I am. That's going to be the most interesting thing for me to watch the next eight games. Is what sort of pairings and line combinations do they take a look at? If you need Brody with Riley, now you you know Shen's. I think Shen's in in game one or two. Just talking about the violence of yeah. last year's opening games. I'm really hoping Sheldon just. Kind of takes a little easier. I on wouldn't this. mind at all seeing Morgan with McCabe. Yeah. Okay, so Morgan McCabe, and then I, you get. I watched Brian Leach with Jeff Bukaboom. Yeah. And that guy knew his role to a T, and he allowed Brian Leach, who's one of the best in history, to just go do his thing. They have to try it. They have to try it next. They should try it tomorrow. Sorry, Saturday. Saturday. Yes. Yes. Another game day without a game. Yes. They try that, and then you're left with. Brody, Hall, Giordano, Lilligren, and Shen to make up two more pairs. Like, they're, they got guys. Is that an interesting point when you look at the elite teams? Like, tonight is one of the most exciting games on the schedule, I think. Edmonton-Boston, really fun matchup. You know, the last Mc- game was awesome. Awesome. And McDavid gets 50 and 100. And they ask him, you know, about that, and he's like, Bleh. Just a number. We didn't win. Bleh. You know, I'm... <laughs> Just a number. <laughs> I mean, I'm Mr. I'm sad all the time because I play for the Oilers. It's not just a number in hockey. No, no, it's not. God, he's a grump. He is. Give he's him such a, a grump. You know, I feel like I'm so happy McKinnon got a cup so we can, like, see his personality because some of these guys are just, like, until they win, they're just, like, grumpy. Uh, it gets worse yeah. and worse. So, anyway, Edmonton, Boston, the Oilers get Ekholm. You know, after their six guys, you got – Vinny DeHarnay, who's played 20 games or something in the NHL. And then, I don't know. You know, like the, the Leafs, at least, you wanted a depth or numbers of guys. They got enough of that now. There's at least the one thing you can yeah. rest easy on for Leafs I, I fans am, is depth am, of NHL D. I am worried about the power play from a blue line perspective, too. Yeah. That's, God, I, I gotta, and that's another thing where Morgan has 18 games now to establish something with that power play. It's the third best power play in the league, and there's no, there's no influence from that back end. If I'm Morgan Riley and I hear that, I'm like, no, the guy who handles it the whole time, he's third best in the league. You don't think I have any influence on it? I'm a radio host, and I agree with you that I think it could be done by most players. He just gives it to one side or the other. There's no deception. There's no big shot. Watch. But but it does get shut down once that once the teams really establish that the threat isn't from up top. Yeah, 
and it has to go through 34. And over the year, is that just a coincidence that every time this time of year, the power play starts to lose momentum and get shut down? Is that just a coincidence? Well, the, the most power play points in the team, you know, John Tavares has the most power play goals by a good margin. Um, not by good margin. Matthews is right behind him. But it ends up becoming a can John Tavares score power play because Morgan's not going to shoot it. So you take away the most dangerous threat, which is seam from Marner to Matthews or Nylander, who's ever on the flank, take away the seam. So then it's like the thing they leave open is low. And they say, okay, beat us with Tavares. And that gets harder to do. And Tavares is good, but... You know, that seems like the the only option. It's also something they're not going to fix, Kipper, yeah, between I, now and, and the- I know, I know the thought of Gustafson being there, but you have to put him in a position to succeed. And what does that look like, uh, 7D? The other thing I wrote today yes. is, like, like, you just went and upgraded your bottom six, and it's better. Mm-hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's deep. So what do you do a game later? You go to a bottom five. Yeah. I, you know, excuse for them doing it now with two yeah. forward injuries that were pretty big. But in the playoffs, I see that. Right? Yeah. Can we so just where go- is Gustafson to uh, reinforce the power play in the playoffs? Where is he? Is he the seventh D? Or who are you taking out of the lineup for him to go in? Maybe he's left wing. I don't know. Yeah, Aston Reese, if he's seven. Um, so just quickly on the special teams and how incredibly important it's going to be in the playoffs. So you look at the power plays in the NHL. You know, the Leafs are third. Tampa is two. Wow. You look at the penalty kills. Leafs, 13th. Tampa Bay, 14th. Just a perfectly sawed-off special teams battle, huh? And it's... These two teams are very evenly matched. We've seen it. We saw it last year, how tight it is. It's going to come down to penalty kills and a goal here and there with your goaltending, and that's why Kippers wrote about We've always talked about it, and you can talk about the the big boys going away. You can talk about all these storylines, these narratives, but the special teams is so massive, so massive, and they're so dead even, these two teams, again, with everything. Yeah. Okay, so if Morgan, we know Sammy thinks that the Leafs can still get by Tampa if if there's not a real major improvement between now and then with Morgan. Are you comfortable where Matthews is right now? Or in the next 18 games, do you need to see him like really get her going here? Yeah, it's that. Or is, is that the... Is the consistency that he's been inconsistent with uh, the level of his, uh, I don't know what presence? the right word Presence, great word. Thank and that's you. That's it, and that's what it is. Yeah, I, I think he has been inconsistent there this season. And yes, I want to see him find it for a run of games. It's not, you know, he's not the guy who has the puck. That's Mitch. Mitch has the puck, controls the play. Matthews is supposed to find soft spots and shoot it in the net. I thought last game he did it well. We haven't seen it for a run of games. But we have seen him handle the puck and hold on to the puck and steal pucks and yeah. chase guys down and, and all of that. that so that's kind that's of been, been missing? missing a little bit. Yeah. So I, yeah, I certainly want to see him find that. And 
I don't want to get to a place where post, you know, after the year, it's like, well, you know, Austin's been nursing XYZ all year. Um, you know, they say he's healthy. I thought he looked healthy last year. Maybe or, sorry, uh, last game. Maybe it's because I'm just in a positive mood today and there's golf on TV and baseball's great again or whatever, but I'm in a positive mood about Matthews and there is a part of me that's creeping in that once game one starts, there's going to be a flip switched or switch flipped. What is, yeah, a switch flipped. <laughs> I, I, I really do think that there's part of what he's going through this year is what we're all kind of going through in terms of the monotony of playing in a regular season. If that's the case, he's, I expect to see it the next few weeks. Then. That little Tampa in him without the championships. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, no, honestly, like, and, but, I mean, you're playing on a team that's pretty much set in your position. And no one cared all year. No. Where you're going to finish. And Just show me in playoffs. The puck wasn't falling for you early, so you don't have, like, a chase of 50 goals or 60 goals or anything like we've talked about before. I really do think that there's a chance in the next little while here. And we saw him being a bit more physical against against New Jersey, like down the stretch here against some good teams. I do have belief that he's going to flip a switch and it's going to start. I do. That's, you know, I, I don't disagree. And, and I could see that just a lack of inspiration. Tampa's been accused of that in past years of suddenly and having to find it. that's 100% what's happening right now with them. Like any Leaf fan that's like, oh, there's dessert. Like, uh, like they're, they're, they're having trouble. You're lying to yourself. You don't think they're going to be ready game one? Like, give me a break. Yeah. That's just what, it's just, it's what's happening. Anyways. Uh, Jason Bukala wrote an article today on prospects for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, somewhere out there in the next 18 games is a start for Matthew Nyes. Is there not? Forgot about that. Yeah. So do you want to hear what he had to say? Sure. About, uh, I'm just reading this off of his article, which is excellent breakdown of all the of all the least prospects. But this is Nyes is obviously the top one. He said Nyes is the most talked about prospect in least organizations. Team asked for Nyes to be included in potential deadline transactions, but the least did well, not including him in any of their trades. Nyes brings a combination of power, pace, and skill. He's taken his game to another level in terms of three zone detail in this this season. Nyes has been deployed in all situations at the University of Minnesota. He has a knack for scoring big goals in the most important time of the game. I like that sound. His offense comes from the middle of the ice, like that as well, and around the crease. He's a load to handle coming off the wall in the offensive zone. At worst, Nyes projects to be a power body in the third line. I'm comfortable saying he will become a top six NHL winger who, when not scoring, will open up space for his line mates in his heavy games. He's tied for 15th in scoring in the NCAA. And uh, yeah. His number one ranked Minnesota Golden Gophers are currently competing in the Big Ten playoffs. They play Michigan State this weekend in the semifinals. So all that stuff sounds like something you'd like to add to the bottom six of your lineup. Without a doubt, you have to, again, when, when I look at that left side, you have to give him a look. I wouldn't, I wouldn't jam him in there. Uh, with Matthews game one, but I'd find a way to ease him in. And if it, if there's any light at the end of the tunnel, you roll with it. And if it, you don't, if there isn't, you, you back off. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. So we've talked so much about the way they've introduced players. Like, wouldn't you like to see him get a start on a third line or fourth line? Even, yes. And just say, yes, that's hey, exactly what I'm talking about. Play 10 minutes. Show us you feel good in those minutes, and then we, you know, we may get to a point where we've got to bump you up to the second line. Yeah. I mean, he is the pole I saw the other day leading one of the uh, well, the pole I saw. He was the leading Hobie Tra- Hobie Baker 
front runner guy. Oh, is he? Yeah. That's he, cool. In the conversation. Like, he's having that kind of That's year. That's a big deal. For them. So, it could be just because we're Toronto and we had people voting in the poll I saw. I don't know. But. I just really hope that this is not a situation where they're like, oh, the that Monday night against Tampa or Florida, whoever it is in the last week of the season, nice top line with Matthews and Marner. Like, I could see that happening. I can too. With the history of the way that Keith has handled, quote-unquote, new toys, I mean, he put Thornton up there, for God's sakes. Nick Robertson. Nick Robertson. Nick Ritchie. In the playoffs. Okay, I'm sorry. Which one turned out great? None of them. Oh, okay. That's so what, we're going to go do that again, then. The, I'm saying... We're saying... Rich was great. <laughs> because it uh, hasn't, it shouldn't. I'm, I'm hoping to God he doesn't do that. I don't think he will. <sighs> I think he's smart enough to not do that sure no i'm not sure no Are you sure about that but i that's the, i think you should yes. leave Jeff. i just really like he's done it with everyone in terms of putting them in, in a position to succeed he did it with o'reilly literally two weeks ago when he came here he put him with marner and he moved his captain off of center to play him in a ideal scenario to get him feeling good like it's clearly something that they've done. Who was it that was talking yesterday? Was it Fuda talking about what they did with Tyson Berry? Was that who it was? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, they got scorned by the how the Babs handled Tyson Berry and they want to pe- put people in the right positions. It's a thing that they do, and I'm concerned that's going to put Nas redundant ahead of his <laughs> ahead of his skis. Yeah, you know, there's... Just, like, what? come on. That's bunting spot <laughs> on that line. But Nyes, yeah, it is. Right? If, it is. if you don't have Bunting there. He's there. Then something's wrong. Yeah, you're talking the, about Tavares, is, Willie, Nyes. I'm not saying Bunting Ooh. is a top number <laughs> one on. left winger. Yeah. But for the Toronto Maple Leafs, he is. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Nyes, O'Reilly. No. Oh, it is. No, it is. Down for No, that is down because the second line is going to be Tavares, oh, right, Willie, right, right, and... Right. Kerfoot. Yarn Crock. Yeah, the, one of those two. Because you don't, if you're not, you talk about putting a guy in a position to succeed, it's not with Tavares and Willie necessarily. You know, it's probably with a defensive sound guy like O'Reilly. Something like that, so. That left side isn't a concern for you at all? <laughs> Every day, Kipper. The expansion left side. Their Every centers day. are Austin Matthews, John yes. Tavares, and Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, they're they're... Stronger at some positions than others. Okay. Yes. They spent a lot right. of money in the most pos- important I'm not position. I'm it up again. The most important <laughs> oh, position of the yeah. ice. Yeah, until right. I okay. see, until <laughs> I see it on Saturday night. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> until we talk on Monday, you won't bring yeah. it up again. But no, it's just, listen, their centers are, they have elite depth down the middle when healthy. So I think you would, you take away from the left side for that. And the right side, you have two of the best wingers in the league. So they have good forwards. I'm not worried about that. It's just... I don't know where they're going to put Nyes, and that's what I do worry about. I mean, he's not even signed yet, so could be getting Imagine ahead Imagine they lose, and he's that's, like, yeah, I want to go back and win a One more year. That's uh, in the desk. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Done? Oh, yeah. Done deal? Come on. So, Leaf fans should be cheering against University of Minnesota then. 100%. So, Sorry you didn't win, kid. They're playing in the three semis goals for against... Nyes, and what, they what lose is the four, date three. that he goes to in a championship? April 8th. That doesn't leave him much time. So then, that, yeah, there's three games left. Ottawa, Toronto, or sorry, uh, Florida, Tampa, Rangers. Yeah. It's going to be tight here to get him in. 
He's going to be a hell of a black ace. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got uh, Oilers, Bruins tonight. Love must it. watch television. That's in Boston? Uh, yeah. Time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's got to be in Boston. They it played is. last time in yeah, Edmonton. 7.30, yeah. Some excellent games tonight, boys. Pittsburgh uh, Islanders is a huge one. Ooh, yeah. Vegas, Tampa's a great game. Later on, you got Kings, Colorado tonight. Squids in Ottawa. Good, good. A lot good. of next reward points out there. Oh, for yeah, you. buddy. We grind Click, click, click. All right. Give me a score. Bruins 3-2. I think McDavid masterclass tonight, and they're going to go in there and surprise him. Love it. This is an important one for Skinner. It is. Is he going to succeed? I uh, got Boston by two. All right. Okay. Our thanks to Keith Jones, Don Waddell, and Sean Reynolds. Hope everybody enjoyed our show. We're back tomorrow. One more. We'll close out the week for you with uh, Off the Rails Friday with Doug McClain. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. We'll talk tomorrow. Hey, you know what? I don't think the show sucked as bad as I thought it would.